0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today I will be chatting with Bridget Wallace about dizziness and balance after brain injury. This episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion rehabilitation, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in Minnesota. They've greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello everyone, I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post and I I volunteer on the Brain Injury Advisory Council through the Brain Injury Association of America. And I also recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. You can learn more about me at facesoftbi.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy amyzalmer. Today our guest is Bridget Wallace, And Bridget is president of 360 Balance and Hearing and brings more than 15 years' experience to treating patients with dizziness and balance disorders. Bridget lectures and consults with the medical and therapeutic communities, participates in research efforts, and has been a contributing author to physical therapy textbooks. She holds a competency-based certification in vestibular rehabilitation and received her doctorate of physical therapy from Texas State University and has served on the board of directors for a variety of associations, including the Texas Physical Therapy Association, the Vestibular Disorders Association, Austin Groups for the Elderly, and the APTA Concussion Expert Panel. In 2011, Bridget was a recipient of the Healthcare Heroes Award by the Austin Business Journal. Bridget understands how balance is important in all aspects of life and spends her spare time outdoors with a special love for family, friends, four-legged friends, and water.
0: So welcome to the podcast, Bridget. I'm so happy to have you here. Hello, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, and now I understand why I am
1: so drawn to you. It's our love of water. Are you a Pisces? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Bridget, I would love for you to share with our listeners kind of how, how you got into PT, and, you know, not a lot of people go on to get their doctorate of PT, so I would love to kind of sh- have you share that story with
0: everyone. Sure. Um, You know, I think I, for reasons I wasn't completely sure of, I always kind of had this dream of being a physical therapist. I uh, started as an exercise physiologist in cardiac rehab and um, ended up taking a part-time job on top of that in a physical therapy clinic and just continued to, you know, have such an interest in it. So, I applied to a variety of PT schools and um was accepted at uh, Texas State in San Marcos, Texas. And I actually received my bachelor of PT there. Now, all physical therapy programs are doctorates. Um, I don't I wasn't completely sure what I wanted to go into um, upon graduation except I knew I had an interest in neuro um and I was just so fortunate to get a job at uh, a day program in Austin, Texas, for people with neurological disorders, uh, whether it was a stroke or uh, a traumatic brain injury. And and that's really where my story um, began with this particular interest in dizziness.
1: Yeah, and now you are the president of 360 Balance and Hearing in Austin. Um, And I met some of your staff when we were in, uh, where were we, Columbus?
0: We were in Columbus. Uh
1: The Concussion Health Conference, yeah. So um, it's so exciting to see you take such an interest in the dizziness aspect. Um, I know that was my biggest, one of my biggest concerns that nobody was addressing. I kept telling people, I'm having a lot of dizziness. I think it's coming from my eyes. And then I kept being told, oh, your eyes are fine. It's just positional vertigo. And I'm like, no, I know it's not positional vertigo because I can be sitting still and somebody can walk by me and make me dizzy. (laughs) So (laughs) I knew it wasn't just your typical positional vertigo. Um, But it was really frustrating because nobody seemed to understand or even want to take the time to understand. So it makes me so happy to see someone like you um, out there who is really trying to help people with this balance and dizziness because once I got my dizziness under control, it cleared up so much more energy and I noticed my memory started getting better, my cognitive problems started clearing up, Like I mean it really helped resolve so many of my problems because when you are constantly dizzy, your your body is constantly, your brain is constantly trying to understand where you are in space. And it's just sucking up all that energy. And I kind of equate it to having sure. your computer running, like you have Photoshop and Word and numbers, like you have all the <laughs> right. programs running in the background, and now you can't understand why it's 10 minutes to open a page, right? <laughs>
0: that's perfect. That's, a perfect I, I, that's how I kind
1: of... Yeah, that's kind of how I, like, equate what is, what's going on. Um, so when you spoke at the Concussion Health Conference, um, you talked about how there's different types of dizziness, and you have to figure out, As a PT or a doctor, you have to figure out where that dizziness is coming from. Is it coming from the eyes? Is it coming from the body? Is it coming from the vestibular system? So I think I'd really like to have you just kind of jump into that and how you work with a patient
0: to determine where that dizziness is coming from. Sure, sure. Well, and thank you for your kind words. And I think, above all, thank you for your commitment to provide this ongoing education for people it's you know we certainly you can't make something better without that grassroots effort so thank you so much um for the opportunity to be a part of this show you know i think dizziness is you know it's a it's a vague term we call it an umbrella term and it can mean so many different things to different people And although we have some amazing diagnostic or testing tools, really when it comes to dizziness, the most important tool is the patient because that's where we get the most information. And so you really have to take, we take clues from the history. And so even in this brief few seconds of you describing your dizziness, you know, you said everyone thought it was positional vertigo. Um, But you knew that you could be still and someone could walk by and you would be dizzy. That right there is invaluable because when you're sitting still and something's moving in front of you, it can make you feel dizzy. But if your head's not moving and your body's not moving, then it's likely not coming from your inner ear, it's coming from your visual system. And because the inner air is activated with movement. And so just in you saying a casual sentence like that, healthcare providers really they need to be able to pick up on that. So I like to encourage people to think of dizziness at, you know kind of at the top, and then you want to listen to someone's description, let them talk about it and take clues from it. So we try to categorize dizziness and we do it into four categories. So um one category we would say okay that we would call it vertigo. So with vertigo the room is spinning around you or you feel this false sense of sensation in your head. And so for you let's if you said no the room's not spinning around me then we would kind of knock off that it was that positional vertigo that you mentioned but we know it's this dizziness you feel inside your head. So then we would want to ask, is it worse with movement? Is it worse with busy patterns? Is And it may be yes to all of those things, but each of those, they give us clues about what various contributing factors there may be. So it may be the visual system. It may be your inner ear. It may be poor sleep. Um, So we try to categorize, okay, it's vertigo. And if someone says, no, I just, it's I feel unsteady in my feet. I just feel like, you know, it's coming from my feet. Then that we would kind of categorize as a feeling of unsteadiness. And then some people may say, I feel lightheaded. Like I'm just, like I could pass out. And that's an indication of almost like a vascular component to it. So some type of blood flow issue. And then another category that can sometimes be um, a little bit challenging is people say, I just feel so disconnected, like I'm falling through the floor. And they may feel lightheaded too. You can't put people in a – you might try to think, "What is there potentially an anxiety component? And in healthcare, sometimes the word anxiety, you know, people, they hear it and they think, well, you just think I'm making this up. But anxiety creates a very true physiological response. And so if we took 100 people with dizziness, you know, 99% of them would say they have anxiety because when you feel dizzy, you feel anxious because you don't feel right in your body. And, you know, we, there's a couple of ways that we look at dizziness you know, unfortunately, we kind of consider it the diagnose and audio syndrome where people say, oh, you've got dizziness, here's a medicine. Hopefully this will make you feel better. You know, um, and that typically medicines result in less than 50% improvement in dizziness and sometimes make it worse. And so it's it's a very silent syndrome. So people may be, you know, I don't know if you had this experience, but people may look at you and go, well, you look fine to me, or oh, I've been dizzy before, and it's because dizziness is silent. If if you walked in with a knee brace on, people would be like, "Oh my gosh, or, you hurt your knee." But dizziness is very different, and it's challenging for people to express how you know their symptoms. Um, and so that that is an ongoing challenge in itself. And so the, that's why it's so important to find those healthcare providers that will listen to you and take clues from what you're saying.
1: <clears throat> so here in Minneapolis, we have what's called the National and Imbalance Center. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I was sent there um, fairly early on after meeting with the neurologist and telling her how I just always was feeling dizzy. Um, and, you know they put these goggles on me and had me lay there in the dark and she's like well I think I see some involuntary eye movement but I'm just not sure and then she had me do some like moving my head around and laying on my right side laying on my left side you know all the traditional um, positional vertigo tests and you know I kept saying because at that time the back of my head still hurt I couldn't hold my head up like, from lying down because I still had really bad whiplash. Like, I was really limited in my mobility. And she did the, there's a name for it, but the that where they move your head to try and treat the positional vertigo to get the crystals Like the move. Epley maneuver? Um, yes, yep. And she's like, well, you should feel some relief with that. And I kind of walked out of there going, this is the National Dizzy and Balance Center and that's all they did. (laughs) Like, it was just kind of like just shaking my head, like, okay, Um, you know, and it took me two and a half years to find Dr. Schmo, who he practices functional neurology, and he did like the VNG, which I believe you have that machine as well, um, and yes. I forget the names of all the other machines where they, where they really track your eyes and they test your eye movements and they, they move those red and white stripes across the screen in front of you. And, <laughs> yes. you know, within like five minutes of meeting with me, he's like, yeah, it's your eyes.
0: <laughs> and I mm-hmm. was just like,
1: oh. <laughs> it's like just this yes. relief to have someone believe me. <laughs> um, yes And as you were giving like the symptoms of what people might feel, um, I always said, I I kept using the word woozy. Like, I just felt woozy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's you, you said the problem with identifying it is, you know, are you lightheaded? Is the room spinning? You know, like, how would you describe it? And I think people interpreted woozy as, like, a tummy ache, um, which I later figured out people were kind of thinking it was making me nauseous. Um, but for me, it was more like, I constantly felt like I was moving, like, when you get off a boat after being on a boat for a while, and you still feel like you're kind of moving, that's how I felt, the, like, 24 7 Sure, and, you know, that's a good point. What's the name for that, like, Boat Embarkment Disorder or something?
0: There's a name for it. Yeah, it's the (laughs) Um, Maldey Embarkment Syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think you make a i mean you make a great point amy and 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 it's that you have to respect that each person is going to have their own words, so to me woozy it you just then you say, okay, well, do you feel nauseated um does "woozy" mean you feel like you're on a boat does "woozy mean you feel off, but you have to respect the word that each Person uses. There's no right answer. There's no right answer.
1: And I think that's what makes it really challenging too, from from a, a a clinician's perspective. You know, you really do have to kind of dig in and try figure out what what they are trying to say. Because me saying woozy and you know Susie saying woozy, we have very different interpretations of what that means.
0: Exactly, and and. I know all the people around me probably get tired of hearing me say this um, but you know <laughs> truly once you've seen one person with dizziness once you've seen one person with a concussion you've seen one person because everyone exactly. is exactly and and I don't I don't know what being an expert really means because it's not ever about knowing everything. It's about discovering as much as you can with each person. Yes, the, there's
1: a saying in the community, if you've seen one brain injury, you've seen one brain injury. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then, that is and then correct. you know, I've also heard, um, I've heard the saying, you know, no two brain injuries are the same, no two symptoms are the same, and no two recoveries are the same, so therefore no two treatment plans are the same, meaning, you know, what works for one patient
0: might not work for the next patient. And, you know, that's, so, I mean, there's there's just no other way around, around that. And you can imagine, um, particularly in medicine, that we'll use the, you know, the word protocols, you know to me, a protocol would be more that you're willing you know maybe the steps that you take with each patient because you can't treat someone the same, you can't predict someone's recovery the same and and so there there are no easy answers, and that can be really challenging, particularly in western medicine and I really enjoyed mm-hmm. um Dr. Engel's talk on your show because he talked about not only the importance of this multidisciplinary approach with head injury, but just this need to bridge the gap, you know, bridge the gap between Eastern medicine and Western medicine, bridge the gap between, you know, randomized controlled trials and cutting edge interventions. I mean, there's there's a lot of work to be done. And in his talk, you had mentioned about, you know, this is an evolving field, and and some of the research has indicated that it takes seventeen years for something to catch up on a global scale. And
1: wow! And you know,
0: I I kind of experienced that, and I know there's others that have. And, and you know, 1996 was the first time I performed an Epley maneuver on someone for non positional vertigo, and it was um almost considered quackery at that point um, and mm-hmm. now what you see is this over diagnosis of it where suddenly because someone says they has they have dizziness with position changes they suddenly label you with benign positional vertigo and you need to do the maneuvers when that's not going to help at all so it you know when we're trying to when we're seeing this evolving with concussion um, it's it's quite it's quite challenging in the healthcare community, which makes that challenging for the patients.
1: You know, and I think, Bridget, I think that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, that's why I do these podcasts, like to get experts on like you on who can talk about these things so that other people who are still dealing with these lingering symptoms, they might hear something and go, aha, that's what I need to tell my doctor or I need to find this type of doctor. Um, you know, I think that, that's what, what really drives my passion to do what I do. And, and, you know, and I've been there. I've been through it. I've, I've dealt with the doctors who just don't seem to get it or understand or haven't had the training in it. And, you know, it's a little frightening to think it takes 17 years, um, but at the same time it gives me hope to know that I I really feel like we're on this like cusp um, with concussion and brain injury I feel like we're on this cusp of like a lot of breakthroughs and I think we're going to be seeing a huge difference in the way that people are being treated for concussion and brain injury instead of just kind of being pushed to the wayside because no one knows what to do with them and it's so unfortunate and I hear those stories every single day
0: Well, and I completely agree. And and through Dr. Engel's work and the work of so many other providers, you know, in the world, and what you're doing will make that difference. It will make that breakthrough. It will bridge that gap. Um, And so that's really, I'm I'm very appreciative of your efforts and and what you're doing. And likewise,
1: you know, when I when I heard your presentation, you. I was like, Oh my gosh, she gets it. I hope everyone in this room is listening right
0: now. <laughs>
1: and then well, uh, well, I, uh, I, I forget I, the keynote.
0: Oh, go ahead. Oh. Yeah, Dr. Maroon, were you saying the keynote speaker, Doctor Maroon? The one at lunchtime. And he talked about yes. the black mm-hmm. hole.
1: You kind of equate it yes. like concussions and C D E to the black was, hole.
0: <laughs> yes. That was Kevin Guskowitz, who has certainly been yes. a leader in concussion management. Um, establishing guidelines for sports related concussions for the as part of the National Athletic Training Association as early as like nineteen ninety nine. So he has certainly been a pioneer. Yeah. And we definitely need people like him.
1: Um, But, yeah, I just, I so appreciate everything that you're doing and in your practice. And, and, you know, this whole dizziness factor, I think, is such a key. I was told by, I forget whom I was told this, but I was told that balance and your dizziness and your balance are the last thing to heal typically when you're healing from a brain injury. And that's why you see these secondary accidents when when people go back on the field to play because they might be healed every other way and they might feel fine, but their balance is is still off and their reaction times are still off. And so now they might sprain their ankle or, you know, they might have another um, hit to the head because their balance still isn't quite there.
0: Um, do you have anything to add to that? Well, you know, I think that's an interesting um, interesting topic of discussion. You know, when we think about balance and we think about functional balance, um, you know, you might look at someone and it looks like their balance is okay, but you have to really dig deep, particularly with athletes, and do some special balance testing. And, and even, you know, Dr. Guskowitz and colleagues um, came up with a test to be a little bit more sensitive. It was, it was higher level for athletes. And, you know, by doing eyes closed on standing on a foam, standing on one leg, mm-hmm. but even that, what that, that test, what it does is it's still what we call static. It's not moving through space. And so now you have new tests coming out like the cob. what's called the cobalt and, you know it's testing someone's sway specifically when they're moving their head with their eyes closed which is high level inner ear and when moving their head and looking at something which is very visual and so it's likely that with you during it may have been during the inner ear component but certainly during the visual tasking component we really would have seen a decline in your balance and so for athletes, those types of tests that need to be that sensitive to the inner ear and to the visual system, we we really need to move in that direction. So we still have some work to do. We've come a long way, um, but through the commitment of so many people, um, you know, I think we are honing in on what are kind of becoming the best test to perform.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I feel like we're kind of in this era where everybody's kind of developing different tests and it's kind of all happening at the same time, uh, if that makes (laughs) sense. Like you have company X, Y, and Z all working on these tests. Um, And it's like they should almost be working together to make these tests, but they kind of even don't even know about each other yet. (laughs) So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of evolves.
0: I mean, that, I mean, you're just, you're so just, Point, you know, on point about these challenging topics, and, you know, I was doing a review one time of concussion questionnaires, and mm, I think mm-hmm. there's 23 concussion questionnaires. Like, do we need 23 concussion questionnaires? Oh, right. Couldn't we all just use, you know, anywhere from one to three that maybe this questionnaire is appropriate for sports? Maybe this questionnaire is appropriate for older adults? Maybe, you know, maybe this questionnaire, you know, and so it's, we do need to be working together. It's, you know, I would, a a couple of recommendations I would have to people is if, if someone doesn't listen to you or your symptoms and the value of what you say, then you probably don't want to be with that provider. If someone has a silver bullet that it's my way this is, I'm going to fix you. We don't fix people, okay? We get the opportunity and the privilege, but we don't fix them. And then you're probably with the wrong provider. Um, and I don't know if, you know, it, I think you've had some of that experience, but you've got to value each person with a head trauma has to value the importance of their words and, um, you, you know, we, you should be respected for that.
1: Absolutely, and you know we're down to just about a minute left, and I think that was like the perfect way to end this out. I don't even know if you did that on purpose, but
0: that was so perfect. That didn't. <laughs> Thank you, it. <Bridget. laughs> Thank you, Amy. <Andy. laughs>
1: And thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you taking the time this morning to be here and um, just helping educate everyone more on Dizzy and Balance.
0: Well, it's an honor, and I just I can't thank you enough for your efforts. Thank you. And thank you, everyone,
1: for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you got some golden nuggets from Bridget. And I hope that you will join us on our next podcast. You can see a list of upcoming topics and listen to our previous shows at Faces of TBI. And, again, thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. I will see you all again next time. Have a great day, everyone.